0: 4 Knowledge. Despite certain problems with it, C4.1, the definition of knowledge as justified true belief appears to be the one most widely accepted in recent and contemporary philosophy. The structural systematic philosophy's theoretical framework, along with a great many other frameworks, C4.3, rejects that definition. This chapter explains why, 4one presents the structural systematic philosophy's alternative definition, 42 and counters a possible objection. 4.1, 4.1, the inadequacy of the definition of knowledge is justified true belief. Gettier, 1963, considers the following definition of knowledge as justified true belief. JTB, subject S knows that proposition P, if and only if, one, P is true, two, S believes that P, and three, S is justified in believing that P. Gettier, 1963, accepts the identified conditions as necessary but denies that they are sufficient. To show their insufficiency, it introduces two of what have come to be known as Gettier problems, of which a great many appear in ensuing debates. An adaptation of one of Gettier 1963's runs as follows. Smith and Jones both work for our automobile manufacturer Superior Motors, which makes clear to all of its employees that they should own only SM vehicles. Smith notes that Jones, who always drives an SM vehicle, Vehicle-to-work regularly drives to weekend softball games in a sports car produced by an SM competitor. With some admiration, Smith concludes that at least one of his co-workers is brave enough to buck company policy, even if somewhat secretively. Smith believes this conclusion, and there is justification for that belief, in his observation of Jones' behavior. It may, however, be the case, one, that the sports car, in fact, belongs to Jones's brother, who trades car with Jones on weekends in order to have the larger storage ca- capacity of the SM vehicle, but also, two, that unknown to Smith, his co-worker Brown does own a vehicle produced by one of SM's competitors. In this case, according to Gettier 1963's analysis, Smith would accurately be said to have the justified true belief that at least one of his co-workers owns a car produced by an SM competitor, But Smith could not accurately be said to know this because the belief on which it is based, that is, that Jones owns a non-SM vehicle, is false. Hence, Gettier 1963 concludes, knowledge involves more than justified true belief. Footnote, it is worth noting that in, in this example, as in Gettier 1963's own examples, and in the Gettier problems that have proliferated in the literature on JTB, the notion justified belief remains quite vague. No doubt Smith has some reason to think that the proposition concerning Jones's car ownership may be true, but if Smith simply assumes that the only possible or even reasonable explanation for Jones' regularly driving the car is that Jones owns the car, then Smith is simply being naive, leaving aside other possible objections, including the one raised in what follows in the main text, there is the problem that what counts as justification in the examples would not qualify as adequate support in scientific context. End of footnote. Gettier 1963 triggered extensive debates along a number of lines. See Structure and Being, pages 139 to 40 and 143 to 4. In none of these lines is Gettier 1963's Condition 1 drawn explicitly into question. The debates debates develop virtually exclusively on the basis of the generally tacit assumption that that condition is non-problematic. According to Structure and Being, page 140, however, An astonishing aspect aspect of this state of affairs becomes visible if closer attention is paid to that condition. What is astonishing is that definition JTB is circular. Structure and Bing's argument that the JTB definition is circular is extremely condensed. TAPTOE includes a more extended account of this matter. One reason for this is that that more detailed consideration of the issue makes explicit the central importance to it of the SSP's thesis that constituents of theories including individual sentences, are always situated within theoretical frameworks. The more detailed consideration also shows that closer examination of tacitly presupposed theoretical frameworks can reveal problems that, without such examination, remain concealed. What then are the relevant aspects of Gettier 1963's theoretical framework, or, more colloquially, of the context within which Gettier 1963's definition appears? Its theoretical concern is with, quote, attempts made in recent years to state necessary and sufficient conditions for knowledge, end quote. As indicated above, getting a 1963 central thesis is that the JTB conditions are insufficient, that there are cases in which all are satisfied with respect to S and P, but in which S nevertheless does not know that P. What then is required for condition 1 to be satisfied? In considering this question, it is important to note that unlike conditions 2 and 3, Condition 1 does not relate P to subject S. Condition 1 requires simply that proposition P be true. It does not relate P in any way to any potential knower, to any theoretical framework, or to anything else. This fact suggests a question. Within Gettier 1963's theoretical framework, is it possible for S or for any other subject to determine whether or not condition 1 is satisfied? If it is possible, then the definition becomes applicable in a specific sense. Subjects, including S, can use it to identify at least some cases of knowledge, some cases of justified belief that are not knowledge, and, according to Gettier 1963, some cases of justified true belief that are not cases of knowledge. In a technical term, the definition is then operational. How, in specific cases, would the definition be applied? S seeks to determine whether or not she knows that P. She asks first about condition 1. Is P true? If she can answer in the negative, then she has determined that P being false, she cannot know that P. If she cannot determine whether or not P is true, then it would be fruitless for her to consider conditions two and three, because even if they were satisfied, that would not enable her to determine whether or not she knows that P. But what if she can answer in the affirmative? In this case, she has determined that P is true. Having made that determination, it would be senseless for her to ask whether she believes that p or whether her definition whether her belief that p is justified but what is the status of this determination of the truth of p having determined that p is true s stands in a specific relation to p ignoring the broader context provided by gettier 63 one would say that this relation is that of knowing that p within the context of gettier 1963 that answer is clearly circular because then she knows that p if and only if she knows that P. The circularity is avoided if the relation of S to P is something other than that of knowing, but what are the other candidates are available? Possibilities including seeing, registering, etc. But any one of those alternatives would then have to be clarified, and if the clarification did not involve knowing, then the term being clarified, which would designate an apprehension of truth involving neither belief nor justification, would designate an epistemic an epistemic accomplishment superior to that of knowing. This would contradict a central if thesis within Gettier 1963's theoretical framework, that is, that knowledge is the condition of maximal epistemic success. Might it then be the case that Gettier 1963's theoretical framework is one within which it is impossible for S or for any other subject ever to determine whether condition one is satisfied? That is, might it be a framework with both skeptical and what are commonly termed metaphysical realistic components? It would then be one according to which one, S can believe that P is true, and two, S can be justified in believing that P is true, and three, it is simply the case, independently of S or any other subject or any theoretical framework or anything else, although expressible in ordinary English, that P is or is not true. But also four, whether P is true or not, is something that S can never in principle determine. Within such a framework, a bizarre and deeply problematic one, could express her condition of maximal epistemic success by saying, Well, I believe that P is true, and I'm justified that being is believing that P is true, and P either, P either is or is not true. So, if it's true, then I know that P, and if it's not, then I don't know then P, that P. Within fr- such a formulation, or within such a framework, the JTB formulation would not function as an operational definition and so would not be circular in the way that it is within frameworks wherein it is supposed to be operational. Is Gettier 1963's a framework within which the JTB formulation functions in this non-operational manner? There is precisely one reason for identifying it as such a framework. That reason is that if it is not such a framework, then, as demonstrated above, its JTB definition, taken to be operational, is both circular and extravagant. Circular, because condition 1 is satisfied for S only if S knows that P, and extravagant because conditions 2 and 3 are then superfluous. On the other hand, reasons for not determining Gettier 1963's framework to be such a framework are provided by many of its sentences. It begins, various attempts have been made in recent years to state necessary and sufficient conditions for someone that's knowing a given proposition, end quote. The article does not qualify this sentence or any of the indicative sentences that follow outside of the examples as articulating merely a justified belief that might or or might not, although unknowably to anyone, also be true. Instead, it simply presents it as true. Moreover, in its examples, Gettier 1963 clearly attributes to Smith the capacity to, in effect, know in certain cases that condition one has been satisfied, that is, to register truths. Quote, Smith sees the entailment from D to E. Smith realizes the entailment of each of these propositions he has constructed by F. Footnote, also worth noting is that Gettier 1963's framework implicitly includes a close counterpart to the at best deeply problematic metaphysically realistic component of the alternative framework introduced above. Gettier assumes, Gettier 63 assumes as a fact about the universe that proposition P simply is or is not true. The implicit assumption could involve something like a superhuman omniscient subject who would know one, that P is true, two, that S is justified in believing that P, and three, that S can never determine whether P is true or not. If this omniscient subject accepted the JTB formulation, this subject would know that S knows that P, although S could never know that S knows that P. Without some such metaphysically extravagant assumption, Gettier's 1963's premise 1 remains at best unclear. Moreover, the omniscient subject's knowledge would have to be defined other than as JTB. 4.2 The structural systematic philosophy's definition of knowledge. The heart of the problem with the JTB definition of knowledge is that it contains a condition, that P be true, that is utterly independent of subject S, but one that subject S, in applying the definition in any case in which Condition is satisfied, precisely thereby comes to stand in the relation to P of maximal epistemic success and thus of knowledge. The problem is solved by a definition all of whose conditions relate S to P. The SSP definition, structure and being page one hundred forty two is the following K S knows that P if and only if A S believes that B, P is true, and B S believe that S, S believes that S is believed that P is true is justified. Tattoe adds the following clarification of B. S accepts P's truth without question or doubt and resists opposition to P's truth. By definition K, P need not be true in order for S to know that P, so there can be false knowledge, that is, knowledge that P when P is false. In addition to avoiding circularity, allowing such cases increases the intelligibility and coherence of the SSP because of its linkage to the thesis that all truths are relative to the theoretical frameworks within which they are situated. Within the astronomical framework relied on between the naming of Pluto and August 24, 2006, it was true and widely known that Pluto was one of the nine planets in the solar system. Within the astronomical framework currently relied on, it is true and known to many that Pluto is a dwarf planet and that there are only eight planets in the solar system. 4.3, false knowledge. The widespread acceptance of the JTB definition of knowledge suggests that, for many, the phrase false knowledge is an oxymoron. It could, of course, be the case that in the languages of many theoretical frameworks, the phrase is an oxymoron. That would not prevent its being non-oxymoronic in the language of the SSP. If, however, it were the case that in virtually all frameworks other than the SSPs, the phrase were oxymoronic, then it could be argued that the S- SP's definition is arbitrary and idiosyncratic. If it were, then it could, as structured being notes, easily give rise to misunderstandings and confusions. If, on the other hand, there are other theoretical frameworks, including everyday ones, in which the phrase is not oxymoronic, the force of any such argument p- arguments would fade. Presumably the most straightforward way to demonstrate that false knowledge is not oxymoronic in a significant number of other theoretical frameworks. Is to present a number of passages in which the phrase is used intelligibly and wholly non-problematically, drawing from a variety of genres and covering an extended period of time. Footnote: It could be objected that in in at least some of the following examples, the false of false knowledge is best understood as comparable to the false of false friends. On this interpretation, just as a false friend is not a friend, false knowledge would not be knowledge. Four points suffice in response. First, the objection is telling only if it is presupposed that knowledge cannot be of what is false. Second, none of the cited texts makes explicitly that this is how its use of false and false knowledge is to be understood. All appear to presuppose that the phrase is clear enough to require no elaboration. Third, at least from some of the examples, including the one from Roche et al. 1999 and some from Thornton 1999, cannot be understood in this manner. Fourth, in all of the examples... False knowledge is most plausibly understood as referring to beliefs that, although false, are relied on without question. Back to the main text. Harper, 1996, a work in economics, drawing on and referring to Boland, 1982, also an economics text, includes the following, quote, Unintended consequences are not evidence of the actor's so-called irrationality. They are evidence that some of the actor's knowledge is false. A decision can be mistaken but still rational if, in light of the agent's false knowledge of the relevant features of the situation, the decision is consistent with the agent's goal. Boland w- would add another requirement for rational decision-making. The falsity of the agent's knowledge must be unknown to the agent at the time of the decision. In Roche 1999, a work concerning management, there is the following. 15.13, quote, 15.13, false knowledge. There is knowledge and there is knowledge. The idea of knowledge implies something totally positive, but we must be able to characterize knowledge by a component reflecting its source. Uncertainty is intrinsic. It may be due, for example, to incomplete or missing records. It could be due to human factors such as faulty memory or intentional deceit. We can place knowledge on a scale with extremes being true knowledge on the positive side and false knowledge on the negative side, end quote. Weiss and Hoover, 1964, A Work in Education, includes the following, quote, Remember the people who learned that tomatoes were poisonous? They learned it all right, learned something that was false, and behaved accordingly. Any number of persons could learn, verbally or mentally, that tomatoes were poisonous, but they learned false knowledge. All of their behavior regarding tomatoes was guided by a verbalism that did not tell the truth about the real world. End quote. Friday, 1964-2000, a convocation address at Franklin and Marshall College, includes the following, quote, The real meaning of tradition is learning from the past how to live in the present, and the real meaning of revolutionary action is learning from what we could see, what could be to see more clearly what there is. That is, learning from what could be to see more clearly what there is. It is in the light of that present vision that we apply our practical intelligence to the world. This is real knowledge as distinct from the false knowledge that we get from news media, propaganda, and advertising. False knowledge acts on what we think other people think or can be made to think, end quote. Not surprisingly, given its subtitle, Thornton 1999, Plagues of the Mind, The New Epidemic of False Knowledge, a book written for a general audience, contains a plethora of relevant passages, including the following. Quote, the average high school student today knows more that is true and less that is false about the natural world than the most educated intellectual of 17th century England. The horizontal spread of knowledge, its dissemination through widespread literacy, universal education, and high tech media of transmission, has not banished ignorance, false knowledge, interested error, or institutional lies. End quote. It would be easy, but pointless, to provide additional examples.